Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Comedy Podcast, where we talk about movies, music, anything else we want. Um, today we're going to be into a very long episode that's probably going to be, end up being two episodes because we're going to talk about a topic that we've been wanting to talk about for a while, and we're titling it Deaths of Hollywood, The Great Migration, Part 1. Um, I'm Tori. I'm Marin. I'm Nia. And I'm DeCoria. And we just want to thank you guys for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, heads up to all of our listeners out there. We will be participating in the KPSN Podcast Festival July 10th and 11th of this summer. Um, you can find more information about that on our Twitter at C-O-M-M-N-T-D. Tickets are on sale right now up until May 31st for just $5. We are partnering up with the National uh, Alliance for Mental Illness and most all of the funds will be donated there. Ticket prices will go up starting June and we're going to be doing a special episode and interview so we would love to see you guys there it'll also include a bunch of games and workshops and a bunch of other different hollywood podcasters so make sure you check that out we love to um um hear from you guys and we're so excited about it so <clears throat> today's episode um, might be triggering to some people but i want you guys to know that none of this is coming from a place of uh hate um none of it's <laughs> coming from a place of um hatership or toxicity <laughs> Um, this is us critiquing the pop culture in which we participate and just kind of like looking at the history and um, the fanatics of Hollywood fandom and K-pop and things like that. This first episode is probably going to be um, more focused on K-pop and the next one's going to be more focused on uh, K-dramas. So um, just as a little introduction, how about we all kind of talk about how we got into K-pop? Um, Marion, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um... Okay, so I know straight off the bat that I started watching dramas first and I had come across a drama in which Super Junior members were in it. I think it was actually a Thai drama. Mm-hmm. It might not have been a Korean one. And mm. um, it had Super Junior's uh, Shiwon and Donghae in it. And I searched them up and found out that they were in Super Junior. And, and you know, like, um, you know, search up their whole thing. I think my first song was... Mr. Simple, and I was obsessed with that song. And then, you know, Girls' Generation, all that thing. But it wasn't until, I think, 2014 that I actually became a fan of groups. But mm. um, Super Junior was the first group that I was a big fan of. Okay, okay. Corey, what about you? Yeah, so for me, when I was in middle school, like many other teenage girls, I read a lot of fan fiction. And the, in the fan fiction, the art, the author would like, a lot of them would like to link songs that they thought went with whatever we were reading. And most of the time, the authors I was reading linked Boa and Super Junior songs. So I knew mm. about both of them before I knew about K-pop, but I thought they were Japanese. I didn't think they were Korean. <laughs> like, I thought they were J-pop artists. And this was like 2008, 2009. And then all the way up to 2015, over a school break, I can't remember which one it was, I was just extremely bored and so I don't know why I just randomly went on YouTube and typed K-pop and watched a bunch of videos. I remember Got Sevens, uh, Just Right, uh, BTS, whatever song was popular in 2015 by then. There was a lot I can't remember, and like a lot of Big Bang and Two Any One stuff and EXO stuff. I just watched all of that like within a few hours, and ever since then, like I just was a fan. Mm. Okay, what about you, Neo? Um, so I think, so it's like 
two waves, I guess. So when I was younger, I was like a big into Kingdom Hearts because my cousins were. And so I knew a little bit about J-pop. And whenever I would search J-pop, I would see Boa. But I didn't know she was Korean. I thought she was just a part of the J-pop industry. Mm-hmm. And then in 2008, I saw Ninja. I saw the MTV Movie Awards and I saw Rain win for Ninja Assassin. And then I looked oh, it up yeah. and I saw, and I actually saw Ninja Assassin. Mm, decent movie. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> and then, um, and then I, um, what else did I do? I there was something else. I saw Seven on 106 in part, but I didn't. I didn't make the connection to these things. I think I saw Wendy Williams had Wonder Girls on there because I do. It's like I remember vaguely seeing these things, but I never made the connection that they were k-pop but mm-hmm. in 2011 i saw snsd on was it regis and kelly and then after that i watched like run double run a lot of their videos mm-hmm. and i kind of kept it with them until i saw big bang like a year later and then in 2012 like officially like hardcore was when i really was like okay i'm i'm in this k-pop shit for life <laughs> well at the time i was really in it so yeah, so mine's is kind of interesting. Um, I remember my friends would show me, she showed me music videos, and it was a Big Bangs lie. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, this is kind of cool. And then we would start watching movies together. And so um, she showed me Auntie Bakery. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. And so then I graduated from high school and took a break from schooling. And I got really into Korean dramas. Drama Fever was my home. I watched all of the Korean dramas and stuff. And then I was like, oh, I want to watch more stuff. So I started watching variety shows. And I started watching Running Man. And on Running Man, they had an episode where... It was Chanel's Day, uh, Sistar. No, it was Chanel's Sistar Girls' Day, Beast, 2 p.m. That was a great episode, by the way. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, I I even I've seen that episode. (laughs) That was a great one. Yeah, so I watched that, and I remember being like, "Oh wait, this music is kind of popping." So let me go look up these groups, and so I got really into those groups, like 2 p.m. Shiny. Um, were like two of the groups that I got into really really quickly and then I started watching I don't know a bunch of different reaction channels and stuff like that to find more groups and things like that and you know made my way to all k-pop forums ew (laughs) hell literally hell (laughs) but yeah so I've kind of been into games since um been into k-pop ever since since um 2014 yeah 2014 i remember that year because it was either 2014 or 2013 when shinwa was having a comeback but then 2pm was also promoting but we were sad because 2pm was never going to be able to get another one hit (laughs) with shinwa promoting at the time (laughs) but yeah so the reason we wanted to do this episode was just to talk about things that we've experienced the you know the history and seeing how you know k-pop has become global but you know just kind of critiquing it and talking about um the great migration is what i like to call so for people who don't know Hollywood um, and the Hollywood wave or the Korean wave was much, was popular way before 2000 and um, 2020, 2020. I know that sounds crazy. Some of you new babies don't know anything about that. You think that there's only a few groups that have made it to the West, but no. Um, actually, the Hollywood started out in the late 90s, early 2000s. 
Korean entertainment was being spread into other Asian countries. I know there's more countries in Asia besides um, China, South Korea, and Japan. <laughs> Japan. <laughs> Shaking the table. Yeah, you but know, yeah. Thailand, um, you know, yeah. Indonesia, all those other countries. Right. So this is what I like to call Generation Zero before even the first Generation Idols. So Generation Zero to me is the groups that debuted in the mid-90s, the late 80s. Like, y'all probably don't know who Firetruck is. Soteji uh, so and the boys there are a bunch of co-ed groups like coyote and things like that but they were a bunch of different groups that were already kind of doing an idol formula but nobody had turned it into a capital monster um until you know a company named sn decided to pop up now correct me if my wrong wasn't no that was yg who was who used to be a Soteji and the idol dance up backup dancer was that yg that was yg yeah, yeah that was yg, was YG. And, then, and then lisa man was just a solo singer right yes yeah yeah, he had his own uh, career. Yeah, so Lisa Man decided, you know what? Nobody's making enough money off of this. Let me, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Let me exploit. <laughs> Let me exploit. So SM Entertainment comes out with the first first generation um, idol group, H-O-T, our high five of teenager <laughs> as the modern K-pop group. Um, they sold out their first overseas concert in Beijing in 2000 this is before you know china and korea was like we don't know each other <laughs> anymore um there used to be a lot of like cross chinese korean like collabs and productions but that doesn't happen no more after china banned anything that um <laughs> south korea related yeah um and then you know and believe it or not it was not just music because my sassy girl a movie became a box office hit across east asia notably in japan and taiwan and hong kong amassing a cult following in china and many south asian countries boa's listen to my heart became the first album by a korean artist to sell one million copies in japan when i'm telling you boa and tvxq paved the entire way for any of your fans to have japan music japanese Japanese fans Yeah. yeah When I tell you TVXQ performed for an audience of 50 people for their first performance in Japan and they worked their way up, like they were in struggle mode for years. Oh my God. CM Blue used to busk in the streets of Japan. They spent like two years, like as an actual rock band, busking in the streets of Japan. Um, But yeah, so and then we had Shinwa's Hey Come On blows up and the group becomes extremely popular in China and Taiwan in 2001. And then we had the KBS drama Winter Sonata becomes the first adaption of Meteor Garden to revival the, sex of, the success of the original um, story, and it pops up, pops up in Japan. Um, it's the said to be drama that started the Korean wave. So as you can see here, as history uh, prenotes itself, that um, the Hollywood wave really didn't start with music. It started with dramas and people just kind of like being able to watch content that was translated into their language or dubbed into their language. And it kind of spread like wildfire. So we have first gen. I think first gen ends in what, 2005, four. Because didn't I, DBS I'd say three ish? Three ish, yeah. No, three. Because every honestly, every group was pretty much gone besides Shinwa mm. by 03. By 03. By 03. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. And so um, then we have our what we like to call the golden years of K pop, second gen. Um, after, you know, poor first gen had been used as guinea pigs. <laughs> I don't think people, I don't think I realize when we say that there were no groups left, H O T S C S. Um, um, sex kiss. Shinwa somehow made it in Stealer Push. First of all, Maybe that's Shinwa a made it, only made it leaving <laughs> SM. They're not even they right. With <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Right, right. So, like, there were no groups by 2003, but Essen was like, you know what? I haven't had enough money yet. So, we're going to try this shit again. And they did another five member boy group um, called TVXK or DBS, uh, TVXQ or DBSK. Um, and then they were like, but you know what? We could still make more money. You know how this shit's popping off in China? Let us make a boy group with 12, what, 15? How, what's the original Super Junior number? 15? I think it's uh, oh, 15. <laughs> I think. Yeah, 15 with Chinese members and Korean members. And we're going to do this whole, like, boy group army giving you um, cut dances. And they're like, but you know what? That's still not enough. So we're going to do a nine-member girl group as well. (laughs) And you know what? That's still not enough. So we're going to do a five-member girl group as well. You see the formula? You see how that's... (laughs) Do you you get what's (laughs) happening here? And so because of that... um, this is the era when the big three really were the big three because that's when we got Big Bang and Wonder Girls and 2 p.m. and 2 a.m. and Big Bang and oh, I know I'm missing so many groups. TR, Cara, uh, oh, Jesus Christ, four minute, four in black, minute, in, a lot of in black after school, Jesus, after after school, um, nine muses. Like, so the golden era up into K pop was up until 2010, right? And so K pop at this point is still a very niche. Um, a very niche thing. You can only find K-pop if you were like going on the forums. Um, if you were going on, uh, you know, you had to go find K-pop. K-pop wasn't just like there for you to consume. Um, you probably don't realize how lucky you are right now if you're listening to K-pop because, baby, when I tell you, I was, we were, um, we were almost getting viruses on our computer every other week trying to watch videos on these random sites daily yeah mobile. even <laughs> even back in 2015 like we had to look at four part series oh, on yes. daily motion that should have just been one episode and had to get the password key off of tumblr to see the video and all that other crap and so um some of these websites uh live journal tumblr one hollywood who oh when i know they didn't one how you was hell also <laughs> that is but soppy all k-pop i got into k-pop through all k-pop and can i tell you i regret that shit like a motherfucker <laughs> i i spent way too much time on all k-pop and tumblr for that matter but um we're not only doing a little history lesson but um it's not like the toxicity of, of a fandom didn't exist before 2015. 2015 is kind of our marker and what we're talking about today. Because it did. There were still problematic um, moments happening before the Western expansion. When I got into K-pop, the big fights were always between um, 21 stands and Shinosuke stands. What about y'all? <laughs> I didn't have Twitter at the time, so I didn't know about the um, the fighting, really. Mm. yeah like my first few i'll say my first year and a half to two years with k-pop i didn't interact with other k-pop fans i was literally just listening to the music watching youtube videos and going on tumblr searching for the specific group to see pictures of them but i wasn't Mm. interacting with other friends so i didn't even know there were fights until i joined like twitter wow no the forum that's interesting it was so funny because people in the forums thought they were elite compared to the people on twitter it was so funny (laughs) yeah and in like even further back like on forums people would there would always be like a few toxic people but i guess it's because we as i fans were so small or like we were niche Mm -hmm. so we felt like even if there were few toxic folks that existed on the i fan side it was like they weren't the majority. They so it's like you could escape. Yeah. You could tune out K-pop when you were tired of 
the drama, if that makes sense. Like you could be like, well, I'm just not going to go on all K-pop today. or I'm not going to go on Soompi today. I'm just going to like go on my regular Twitter feed. Like K-pop wasn't mainstream to where everyone would be talking yeah, about, it, you know? Yes. So because- it's like. So it's like, if you were really tired of the toxicity, you could be like, well, I'm just going to not go on these websites and you'll never see K-pop. Like it won't follow, it won't show up on your feed. It won't show up on YouTube because you have to actively look for it. Is that If that makes sense. Also, like, I feel like there was like a very consistent attitude that the people who were being toxic were weird. We were like, y'all are being yeah. y'all are moving weird this is weird shit to be why are you having sasang behavior that like that was the buzzword thing like why were you yeah. having sasang behavior why are we acting like you know like like delusional delusional people and now that yeah, is totally. not that's such a good point that is not the case anymore <laughs> people are like oh yeah. teach me how to be a toxic stand and i'm like that is not something to be proud of wow. <laughs> Tori, that's just like, you took me back because I literally was thinking about how like when I fans, because K-pop groups would really rarely ever step out of Asia. Right. So when they would, it was like, we would be like, y'all, we got to be on code. We can't show them we're like, <laughs> we're like toxic fans. We can't show them we're like sasings. So whenever someone would be out of line, we would like shame them. We'd be like, we need your information. We need to find out who these girls are, get them off. of. Like, we need to stop this because like we would try to be, it was almost like a competition to show like we were better like we or that we deserved attention it was like we deserve attention yeah we deserve to have like content we deserve to get like concerts right it was like us trying to be on our best behavior and we're nice right (laughs) us trying to be on our best behavior to to somehow get a glimpse of our faves (laughs) yeah and i don't mean better by than asian fans but like better than what they expect us to be right like we're not going to be stalking them their hotel rooms or like that was i remember like like if you had a k-pop group that went to like i don't know europe mm-hmm. they'd be like trying to be like organizing how we would stand or how folks would stand when they got in the airport or like it was very much like trying to create like a healthy this, and, a impression that yes yeah an impression that we it was also us being like, well, we're not One Direction stands. Like, that was also a mentality yeah. we had. We're not Justin Bieber we're stands. Not Justin we're not Justin Bieber this. stands. We're not pop stands. We don't do that shit. We respect our artist. And then the Great Migration <laughs> and happened. Then- <laughs> and then all hell broke loose. Now, I will say that during this time before 2015, I feel like it was it was very rare to meet people who were into K-pop. Um, it was very rare to, like, just have... And it was so funny, like, watching the globalization of K-pop. Like, I don't even realize that I watched the globalization of K-pop until, like, today. Like, you realize you watch this shit, like, Mm -hmm. pop off, right? But, of course, before 2015, there were definitely artists who were into the Western expansion. JYP had a whole Western expansion tour thing happening. Um, Wonder Girls was on Nickelodeon. Shinero's Day was on a bunch of talk shows. But, like, everybody was trying to get a piece of the pie. They just didn't know how to do it because in 2015, the internet still wasn't as popping as it was today. And also, we underestimate the fact that those stands who now stand K-pop, a lot of them at the time were very racist, and they were saying outwardly racist stuff mm-hmm. towards anybody Asian. Right. So they were very much, because they were standing there white boys. They were not trying to see, it was very much yes. coded it's, language. It, it is, and it was yeah. very much the fact that K-pop spread in Asian American communities first, before they even got into mainly um non-people of color communities. You know what I'm saying? A non-Asian yeah. communities. And so... Um. So what happened? What happened was, <laughs> well, what's <laughs> happening? You know, there was like, cause like it, it was, it was the thing of that 
I think with JYP trying to get Wonder Girls out, they realized that that if they came to America, they weren't never ever going to get the perspective they were going to get to perceive in South Korea. Like that was what the JYP like expansion thing showed. I think South Korea and their their big people. It's like you are unless you have established an international fan base, you just like trying to push them on radio shows like you do in South Korea. Like everybody's South Korean in South Korea, so having people on tv like organically trying to get them out there on tv shows and radio shows and stuff like that makes sense but you don't understand that america is a is the land of the white supremacists so anybody who's not white is therefore othered so the the disrespect the looking down upon that like seven and boa and wonder girls and all that stuff that they received like k-pop wasn't cool until Gotham style came out and even then it was being mocked yeah even then there were races who were just like what is this fucking Gundam style? Like, I'm like, Sai is Sai got more money than you will ever see a day of your fucking life. I don't think I don't I didn't even realize how big Sai was until I started getting more into variety shows. This man has been around since like the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> this man has been an artist in South Korea since the fucking 90s. Has won so many awards, and one viral song suddenly made him kind of like this caricature for South Korea and K-pop, unfortunately. And so, you know, KCON started in 2012. Um, the scammers that they are charging you ridiculous <laughs> ass fucking prices. Money. You want me to pay how much <laughs> to get potentially like the high five section? $2,500 for eye contact with your favorite no. idol for a <laughs> second. But here's the thing I, I never understood about KCON. Why can't I pick the groups I want to see? Why is it a luck of the draw? Why is that a thing? But yeah. Wait, so, so like when you buy tickets, they only let you, you can't see everyone there. You can only see certain groups. Right. I think yeah. like, yeah, I think when you pay for the tickets, like the activities, like you get to see the concert with everybody, right? Yeah. But the activities is all luck of the so, draw. Like you might get a high touch with a group yeah. you don't even so, know. Like if you get a oh card, so people on Twitter would be like, hey, I have so-and-so's high touch. Does anybody have this high touch? I'll trade with you. And so they would go and oh, try wow. to trade with them. First of all, <laughs> okay. the concept <laughs> of high touch is also something that really takes A high, $2,500 for a high five? <laughs> oh my God. So now we are at um, the kind of the pinnacle moment of this this topic, this episode, is the Great Migration. The Great Migration started in March 25th, 2015, when Malik announced that he was leaving One Direction. Yeah, and- Zane. <laughs> Zane. I, when I said Malik, I was like, who the fuck you mean? Oh, yeah, Zane. Okay, I was like... I was like- <laughs> Okay, so many other um, also white boy bands all started to decline in popularity after Zayn left One Direction. You know, The Wanted, Five SOS. But like K-pop fans and One Direction fans before they became one um, were had beef because One Direction fans, um, they had their hiatus. Directioners clashed frequently with K-pop stands, uh, most notably Tiara fans over the Billboard Fan Army poll. Big Bang fans over MTV TRL Best Fan Award. BAP fans with um, when a picture of BAP with one D's faces photoshopped over it was used for one D's best day ever video. What the fuck? Yeah, that happened. I remember what? exactly when that happened. Oh, yeah, so like no. pre hiatus One Direction, they did a music video called Best Day Ever. I don't actually, maybe it, yeah, definitely pre hiatus. Why did I say it like that? But they, for some reason, 
cannot tell you why they did this. The video was funny or whatever. They were doing like a lot of goofy stuff. But in the video, they use a photo, like a very early photo of VAP. And you know how wow. back when they all had like blonde hair mm-hmm. and they were, they took that photo and for some reason they photoshopped their faces onto that photo. And then of course, BAP fans were extremely upset by this. And so they fought a lot about that. Sounds about white. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> and they all used to fight frequently with EXO and BTS stands, of course. Um, what we like to say is that it seems that One Direction went on hiatus in 2015. Direction is one of something to fill the void. Began migrating out of the fandoms, and with the amount of content K-pop groups have, it's no surprise that many of them ended up becoming K-pop fans. So this is specifically fans of the group BTS. I'm going to call BTS victims, because at this point they are. They're victims of the Great Migration, because... Yeah, like... I remember how their <laughs> fandom used to be before the influx of One Direction fans. Right. Who began rapidly rising, um, and then on May 5th, 2015, BTS won their first music show win on SBS's show, I Need You. Now, we're not saying it's because of One Direction fans. We're just saying the dates add up a little too smoothly for me. Um, as somebody who was a BTS fan before 2015, um, it it's truly sad to see how tarnished their reputation has become because of people who like to call themselves armies. And it's just, it's, it's, because this is, this is what we're really talking about. Like, before the great migration of 1D fans, the amount of xenophobia, racism, colorism, anti-blackness was still in, in K-pop fandoms, right? There were racist white fans. There were racist, you know, non-black color of stands. But the mm-hmm. way it hyped up after One Direction disbanded, no, the math is mathing to me. <laughs> yeah, and it's not like because BTS in 2015 they already were gaining like popularity Great extremely fast because yes. of how much content they put out and people reacting to them. So of course they're attracting more fans. But the thing is, even though with more fans come more toxicity, the the amount of toxicity in such a short period of time is actually like ridiculous to see like it's really ridiculous so right now in the timeline of k-pop we're in third gen right so third gen starts kind of like 2011 2012 with the debut of exo all of the bt b2b you know not b2b um but like got seven monster x um i like to call the third generation the first half from like 2010 to like 2015 is the boy groups and like 2015 2020 is the girl groups and people say we're kind of going into fourth gen but if exo is still outselling all y'all we have not reached (laughs) a fourth (laughs) generation yet there's not enough um decline in second and third gen for fourth gen to be happening in my opinion yeah and then like not even just exo like if they on their military hiatus can sell most outsell most of the new groups that's bad right but the thing is (laughs) Like, who is going to surpass BTS as far as records? Right. Because usually when it comes to K-pop, the new generation is marked by somebody surpassing, like, a huge record in the previous generation. And unfortunately, I don't know if we're ever going to get a true fourth generation because they're always going to be compared to BTS. And companies are already trying to recreate BTS success. And I'm just telling y'all, it's not going to happen. The Great Migration happened in 2015. BTS were the victims because they use they know how to use the fucking internet and they were uploading like 10 second 15 second TikTok amount like length videos every day. I still remember this like 
this phase in their boy group fandom. Like they were still doing a lot of heavy hip hop stuff. They were still doing, well, we can talk about their music a different time. It just makes me sad because I feel like BTS has more potential musicality than they are being able to do now because they've been, they have to cater to a white audience now to be completely honest. They have to cater to a white Western audience. And so their music has taken on the decline and it's it's sad because like you think that a group that talks about you know wanting fairness and all of these deep stuff that the fandom will reflect that this is one of the rare times where the fandom and the group don't reflect each other at all you know what you know what i'm saying like when i think about groups and their fandoms and like how they kind of like mimic each other like the god seven fandom is very funny to me like fans of different groups just kind of like mirror their groups but for bts to be so into like social justice and things like that y'all doxing people y'all y'all out here being extremely racist to any black fans that try to talk about their um their experience as a k-pop fan um there's when a teen vogue article is written about (laughs) your fandom and it's so sad because like i i'm truly ready for us to regress idols to regress back into first gen idol days where i'm gonna need y'all to take a kim dong one and just like police your fandoms be like the fuck are y'all doing the fuck are y'all doing and i know because they can't do that though because there's there's too much money to be made like i think it's honestly i think it's too big of a thing to even monitor now anymore you can't control it yeah i feel like it's the number like you just said the numbers is too many yeah and so I, and also I think they don't want to kill their momentum. So I feel like that's, they're being very strategic about what they talk about when they don't. And mm-hmm. this is just from the outside looking in, I'm not in the fandom, but like, I think that if they are seeing like the one direction kind of killed their own f- momentum because Zane wanted to do his own stuff because he really hated it there. And I don't blame him <laughs> because one, because the four white men are not on his level, but that's another conversation. <laughs> but like, but like, there's creative differences that killed their momentum. One Direction could have probably gone on another 10 years if they weren't miserable. Oh, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah. like for, but with BTS, it's like, there's so many young fans that are literally having their first like boy group experience through them. And so they're yeah. going to be, and it's a lot of people who aren't Asian who aren't black, who aren't people of color. So it's like, you're going to see what you would see with a One Direction Justin Bieber. You're going to see the exact same thing happen. So it's like, you can't expect these people who've never been into K-pop at all to understand K-pop and what people expect differently out of fan. And not saying that fan culture with K-pop is going to be different, but with the iFans in the past, it was like, you could literally, iFans were doing different things than Western fans. We were very different, but now it's like, they're all blending together. It's it's, um, synonymous. Yeah. It's it's synonymous now. And the problem, here's the problem I've always had with K-pop going global. It's not that I want to gatekeep K-pop. Let's not, that's not it. I want everybody to be successful, to make records, to go down in the history books. People, we work and live these lives to be remembered. Right. And that's kind of what you want to be as an artist, to be somebody who's remembered, somebody who's looked up to. And I wish all these groups the best. But the thing is that I've never understood Western fans well that's probably because i'm black let me this is probably because i'm black who want k-pop to be so popular in the western word i was like so you want them to be othered 
Mm. They would. You just want them to be othered. You want and them to come to appeal to, to white people too, because that's what they right. mean. They don't really want you to. But the, to me, the, what's a little weird because they always yeah. say, "I want you to be big in the West," and I'm like, "You're not trying to take your faves to BET. You're not trying to take your faves to the Soul Train Awards. You're trying to take them to." the white world so that tells me they're gonna have to change their music to fit the white audience also it's like you want them to get a grammy you, did you really think they were gonna give bts a grammy at the fucking racist academy absolutely not but real quick what's crazy though it's not even just white fans though who it's like not it's not very true. their k-pop their k-pop groups to get western awards like if you look how k-pop fans act these days they are mimicking like barbs and all these other mm. western stands with streaming and all that other kind of stuff yeah, yeah the zombie streaming the method of being like it's the fact that it's it's no longer about like the music is about numbers it's not and it's charming. about numbers yeah. so people and people when people start to criticize groups they like about them because people are like oh you hate them oh you don't like them just say you're a hater it's like no i love this group i just i know they can do better than this or and when I also you say that like, oh i don't like a song the first thing somebody says okay but well it has five million or like five billion views on youtube mm-hmm. okay that has nothing to do with the song sounding terrible it just has five billion views yeah it's an and issue. i also think sorry oh no go ahead Mary. Go it's ahead. an issue in my opinion when you <laughs> when you have to go in twitter and block out the artist's name when you're saying you're not liking mm-hmm. it because you don't want to deal with the backlash and you're not even gonna I'm not saying that I hate them. I'm just saying, oh, this song is not good. But then you have like yeah. asterisk, asterisk on their name because you don't want their <laughs> star, fans star, to find star. you. Like, <laughs> right. What? It's like, how yeah. are you going to be like, be, it's, it's it, especially the way that it's not just numbers. People use performative activism as a ticket to hold over other groups. They just want to feel superior for some reason. And I'm like, do you mm-hmm. have nothing else to do in your life? And then we have to remember that a lot of fans the new fans in K-pop are young, but even yeah. then, there are grown people that move and there are like grown talks. Yeah, but it's like you also- like like these groups like raise awareness for mental health, but you are well, you like mental health awareness, but you're simultaneously docking doxing people and wishing them death over Korean men. Like the, yeah. when you start to change your morals for celebrities that will probably never yeah, know your fucking yeah. name. We've yeah, reached the point. <laughs> Tori, once you said that, I was thinking about how I think part of why fandom culture in K-pop from the international se- side of it has changed so much is because K-pop groups now are all individualistic. Like they don't do variety shows together. They don't talk to each other from what I see. Like they don't really have, they don't have their own moments where they would all be on a variety show like Second Gen was. So because Second Gen hung around each other so much, the fans would get to know all the idols. Like back in Second Gen, if you weren't multi-fandom, you would pr- almost get shamed. Like, why are you, why are you only standing one group? You're missing out on all this great music. Like everyone was and kind of encouraged. Right. And I think that's the reason yeah. why fandoms, K-pop fandoms, like even if you're a K-pop fan, there's no sort of camaraderie there. Like I remember back in the day, like if this makes sense, let me try to explain this. It's like, it felt like if anybody else from the outside tried to say anything negative or racist about K-pop or use slurs, we would all be like, it didn't matter what fandom you were from. Don't talk about these groups. Like it felt almost like we had a possessive community camaraderie thing Mm -hmm. about K-pop as a genre, not just one group. Like people, when you wanted people to get into K-pop, you wouldn't just play Big Bang. You wouldn't just play one group. You try to show them multiple things because you knew all of these groups. You know what I'm saying? But now it's almost like people are only in K-pop for one or two groups. And so they feel this vitriol and anger and they don't feel a sense of community with other people 
from other fandoms but you're in the and same genre it's so it's a little yeah, weird yeah and i have a few thoughts about that so the first thought is that i hope y'all don't listen to this and think we're being like oh we want to just go back to the olden days no what i'm saying is that we understand that there's a bunch of different groups so it's hard to be multi-fandom now but when you take being a solo fan take it to the next level of holding that over people's head and making you exactly. look like you're better than everybody else then there's a problem too the whole thing about variety shows is that i i understand why companies make the moves not to put their eyes on variety shows anymore because the people who make variety shows don't want to have to deal with the fucking backlash that comes from mm. fans when something seems to be edited out of proportions or you know like i remember hiana being on a show and people were just going the fuck off on her for no reason like i remember i remember those days where she was just getting flat for no reason like why mm why risk our idols going into scandals when we can you know monitor our own content now and put out our own variety shows like 17 going on seven going 17 they do almost 30 40 minute episode shows every week um bts run has been over its 100 episode now like it's so easier it's so much easier for them to make content for the fans um, and keep close contact with Corey. the fans without being a victim of the general public yes not to i just wanted to add on to what you were saying about like these com these variety shows not wanting to deal with the backlash of like so and so not having enough um uh screen time when i yeah when blackpink was recently on running man and they were i went to the comments to look at it and all these people were talking about how lisa there was a game they played and lisa's part was not shown and half of the comments were talking about how they were so angry that like why are you being disrespectful to lisa this is why like why are you cutting her out when it was probably most likely they didn't have time or maybe that part of the game wasn't as fun as the rest like they yeah that hours a day they cut out what they need to cut out that's the one thing to like okay all these variety shows like running man they have a certain allotted amount of time that they can have the show like it can't be over like an hour and 30 minutes or so right like it has a certain mm -hmm. amount of time so if there's a part in the show that's genuinely not entertaining like maybe lisa ha wasn't reacting as ex not extreme but she doesn't have the most expressive reaction like the other girls did in the scenes that they were doing they decided okay we're not going to put this in it's not that they hate her or anything like that or they want to disrespect like her that. it's a business thing like that's business yeah like every time i see um pds or mcs like backtrack when they even say something funny towards an idol member i'm like that's embarrassing they, they can't say anything <laughs> they can't say anything people like um this is why bts doesn't go on variety shows because it's like no because they don't want to fucking deal with y'all that's why bts just started going back on public variety shows because one hype realized that they can make more money putting them on western shows but two because like the way that y'all move against normal things that happen in variety spaces is very weird <laughs> and this is not us by any means saying that there aren't variety producers and hosts that are just straight garbage. up that aren't, yeah they we are know garbage. we are very aware that there are some that are just straight up disrespectful they're creeps they should not have a platform but we're talking about the yeah. people who are just doing their jobs and getting attacked for it and like we yes. know that at least that's tie right yeah i know that there's a difference between like thai artists in korea and like they don't get paid as much and not you know like not treat like soren from clc has talked about it and stuff like that like i understand that but at this instance it was simply because lisa like um what's her name one of the other members had just had a really really funny part and they gave most of the screen time to her yeah, yeah. 
And because there's also the decline of having idol-centered variety shows. So idol shows now are about the idols going on their own vacation or their own thing on their own channel. But back then, and but and I'm not trying to say that everything needs to be the way it was. I'm just saying that like idols would have to interact with other people like to beef to have a funny moment like you had to stand out because you're on a show like Strongheart for example you're on a show with like 15 other people that have nothing to do with you you have to try to stand out like you can't because then you'll just get like you'll be blended into the background like there's actors on your show there's varieties people like it's not like it was like uh, second gen had were trained to be funny or be entertaining they, they were had to compete with other people you know they were trained to be multifaceted artists and yeah. SM started that with Super Junior. And here's the thing, though. I get why a lot of companies don't do that now. Because sometimes they'll put people on a show and they're just introverts. Like, a lot of idols, yeah. like, really don't like being in front of the camera or talking to people they don't know. And I get that. Like, trying oh. to um, trying to minimize scandals and, like, not, like, signing up for things that's really not going to be beneficial for your artists at the end of the day. And that's why they have these these you know these v live shows and stuff like that but it's just it's sad because what happens when that shift happened now idols aren't on general public television anymore and they don't like, know who they are <laughs> the they general public like who, who they are like for the longest time people in Korea didn't understand why bts was so popular and i'm like they were like please like my friends i would have i had um i was international buddies with students from korea they're just like why is bts so popular over here we don't get it because not a lot of people know them like also like talking about how like korea like suddenly jumped on oh yeah we love bts y'all don't even know their fucking names until they come <laughs> on the jimmy kimmel show like that whole thing but like it's like when the great migration happened and this kind of change in the k-pop fandom happened like not only was it like racism because as us as black women um can see how hostile a lot of k-pop fans are to black k-pop fans for no reason even to the black swan member um fatu who yeah. uh she's oh, a- okay i've heard of her yeah she just stopped being on twitter because not only white k-pop fans but black k-pop fans were making her they're trying to gate yeah like gatekeep k-pop yeah. But also, that was very weird to me because you would weird. think seeing uh somebody who's supposed to be representation for you in k-pop would like of course, maybe she didn't have the best like rapping skills, but the way they were attacking her, mm-mm. yeah, it y'all move weird because you're afraid that you're a lot of y'all are afraid that your faves are going to end up dating a a foreigner girl that's not you. And I'm telling yeah. you, it'll never be you. <laughs> it'll never be you. Um, so like, chill. And also, it's like there's so much recent things that made me like think like, um, also that like i don't think people realize that your idols are almost 30 most of the popular <laughs> idols them motherfuckers are grown yeah. grown and they be like it, it, what kills me is like the homophobia that comes out of it all y'all will ship your faves together for days write disgusting fanfics about them um all that stuff but let somebody actually think that they're gay or bi or pan and they just haven't said anything because korea is conservative and you're like oh my god no they never be they're going right. to end up marrying Korean, and we're going to have mixed Korean babies. And like, but like, but y'all are actual homo. Like, I don't get that, that the way people move for that and the xenophobia. How do you stay in a K-pop group and still be xenophobic? Make it make sense. What's no. funny though, somebody, I said the same thing like a few months ago, but somebody made me realize 
people do the same thing with black music. Right. They hate mm. black people but consume black content. So it, it makes sense that that can happen in K-pop too. People can stand a whole K-pop group but still be very racist towards Asian people. That's true. I never thought of it that way. Like Yeah, because like I didn't think of it that way either. But somebody said that shit to me and I was like, damn, you're right. <laughs> and also this is a question like I, I it could just been that on back in the day I was just on sites that I felt like had more black people or open-minded folks like because because sometimes you can always tell when there's a black fan they might mm-hmm. use a profile picture or and I don't know if it's because of the people I, I was seeing on these forums but it feels like almost like black fans are the ones creating a lot of the content, but are being erased from like the general, what the people's view of a K-pop fan is. And it's like, and I don't know if it's because there are just so many new white fans or if it's just like there, it was never going to be that the black fan was the face of K-pop fandom. Does that make sense? I don't think yeah. it is so funny because they did a whole study about how black women like Asian men and marketed it to people. What? <laughs> I think sponsored or were part Wait, of okay real quick who is hive big hit big hit oh that's they changed their name yeah so <laughs> big hit parent was. group and hive is now the music label oh oh wow i didn't know that because <laughs> remember they took apart all those other groups like 17 and oh um, Girls like that so okay. they rebranded oh, I no just idea. a quick disclaimer like two-fourths of this podcast is like kind of removed from k-pop so sorry that we didn't know this <laughs> right right <laughs> No, yes. So, but um, no. So there was like this whole thing that went about like this marketing, um, like um, festival or like summit was happening in Korea. They had a whole presenter, presentationer that was talking about how black women love Asian men, and like it was literally a whole expose of how they study okay. black women. That what is study? Very weird. Oh, wow. Yes, it's very weird. And I, and I blame K music and black women. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that they literally cursed us they set us back thousands of years we will never be free from these shackles because of them i I blame everything screenshots from k-pop of course i promise you jay park was probably at that presentation too (laughs) and taeyang was watching on his phone oh jesus christ but back to what nia said real quick because i i was gonna make a point like i i don't think black people would have ever been the face of k-pop especially Mm -hmm. these days and not because of like race reasons simply because there are more white fans yeah because they're like i feel like when we're on social media black people like naturally navigate towards each other because like even without trying you will really you will find out that like most of your mutuals are black without even trying but like when you are in that kind of echo chamber with just people that you follow and you think the whole mm. fandom is a certain way. But when you look at it broadly, there are just generally more white fans, like globally. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's and true. That's a numbers game, unfortunately. Yeah, well, yeah. And I want people to realize that we do understand that it's the majority of people who call themselves armies um, are not bad people. But you yeah, have to realize that <laughs> if y'all are 1 million strong, 10% of y'all is 100,000 people. That's if you say it's smaller folks. than that, that's 50,000 people. Smaller than that, it's ten. It's still 10,000 people that are very loud and very yeah. out here. And, like, I'm not even going to lie. Like, we always say that fandom shouldn't deter us from liking artists. That's false. That's false. Because <laughs> <laughs> how am I supposed to enjoy the artists and I want to get to know people and talk about them 
but if I approach a fan and they want to call me a porch monkey, like oh wow, like that's like if I had a favorite group, right? And then I got on social media and saw an artist fan of another group constantly attacking my faves. Do you think I'm gonna like that artist now? Right, no. right. and I'm it's like associate people, them with the fans because yeah. And it's like people, I want I want people who are listening to this who are going to attack us to realize that we want y'all to have lives outside of K-pop. Because at the end Ooh, of the day, facts. these people who make K-pop don't give two fucks about you or your wellness. They don't. Like, even the artists that be like, oh, we care about y'all. They care about y'all as a whole, as a singular so, layer yeah. team, not as individuals. Yeah. And then not they as care about y'all's money. And then, the <laughs> day, and then the day they disappoint you, so that it doesn't hurt as much. Because it's going to happen. Right. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Thing. But these groups, let me tell you something. A while ago, I realized how smart the idea was to have multiple people in one group. If one person does one bad thing, and I'm talking about like, not bad, like really, really bad, like jail time bad, but like one thing that makes them problematic, most people are not going to cancel the entire group. You're going to be like, mm. okay, they're going to be there and they're an entity, but like, I'm not going to acknowledge their being, but I'm still going to listen to the group. And that like, that... um. I don't even know why I mentioned that, but anyway, so they do that. And so you're going to be listening to these groups and these artists are going to disappoint you because people do. And if you're obsessed with them the way you are now, because I have been, I understand then yeah, it's just going to yeah. hurt less when you acknowledge that um, when you They're make human. top less of your like entire world and everything, you know, you have other interests. Yeah. Because exactly, when you have other interests, you don't become so attached and focused on this one thing. Because like, like Marin was saying, like these groups are going to disappoint you. The way y'all are pushing for certain groups to speak out about things, like for example, Palestine and Israel, very serious issue, free Palestine, uh, the IDF are terrorists, all of that. But the thing is, when y'all push for your faves to say certain things, I get why you want to do that, right? Because you don't want to believe their morals don't align with your own and you want to save face and you don't want somebody to attack you for having a group that didn't align with what they were supposed to align with. The thing is, when you force somebody to say something, it means nothing. Because they may just be saying this to appease you but not actually believe it. Absolutely. And also, like, a great healthy thought is to realize that South Korea is still a very misogynistic patriarchy yes. country. Yeah. And you know what helps me just get over anything is the fact that most of the faves that I have in K-drama and K-pop are probably misogynists behind closed doors. And it just yeah, makes yeah. the day easier. That is a healthy thought to have. And I'm not saying that there are people who aren't, because there obviously are. But, like, don't we want this this teenage girl fantasy some of y'all are taking it beyond the teenage years which is fine because i still listen to k-pop and i'm halfway to 30 <laughs> but we it's the fact that there you can't deny the shift that happened after one direction left we can't deny that we can't deny that y'all have created a fantasy world yeah of south korea after looking to k-pop um but you and because these companies are selling you a product and the product comes in the form of humans with the name of a group that tell you that they love you and things like that at the end of the day those are people they are people they're humans they make mistakes they fuck people they smoke they drink i'm gonna need all of y'all to just like just just face that reality and i do understand that people who turn to music for their mental health and wellness that's fine but you still have to have a healthy dose of being like the person, the other person on the side of this record, 
is still a person. And you'll yeah. never know actually who that person is. Unless also, another too, burning like, sun scandal the, happens. <laughs> no, Kiki, that that part, that thing is what really had me like, okay, I, I've had enough of all right. of this. But what I was about to say is like also to please realize that these companies market these idols these ways for this exact reason they want you to be obsessed with them the way you are now. absolutely like mm-hmm. they have the whole boyfriend concept the whole i care for you concept because they know that you will get attached and you will spend all your money on them so once you kind of step back and realize that you're gonna be free <laughs> like you're gonna free yourself. right and it's so sad because we were talking about this the other day you think that these companies would learn from watching SM and YG and the demise the, the, the of both of those companies. Um, but Hybe is starting to move like SM, baby. They selling y'all water. Did No. Oh, wait. I forgot that this happened the other day and I forgot to put it in the document. Hive upcycle. It's something that has to do with them. They said they upcycle their artists' clothes by cutting them into pieces, putting them on plastic keychains and selling them to their fans well this is giving me h-o-t dna thing this is giving me that like this is sm 101 you're trying to be more environmentally conscious by taking recyclables and putting on more produced plastics i tell you i was screaming i was like this is sm behavior this is sm in 1998 behavior like this is before this is unchecked sm this is like lisu manoff is rocker like i i'm yeah the thing is too though it was never the companies that said they didn't want to be like sm they wanted to be like sm it was the fans saying that they were never going to be like that (laughs) yeah and and the the companies wanted to do this they wanted to exploit fans since day one they've been wanted to be like this yeah and what's what's weird to me too though is like i've noticed that honestly like we the us who are in this space a lot of people who were k-pop fans about 10 years ago 15 have kind of pretty much checked out for the most part like i feel like now what we're seeing is a lot of people who've never heard of k-pop before bts and -hmm. so they don't know what they have nothing to compare it to so they, they can't know about how the fandom was like when they weren't a part of it so it's like they can't they can't feel a sense of responsibility or they don't feel any sense of like, I have to represent this because they're just from a fandom where they were acting crazy before. Like it's not like, yeah. like they have no, like it's hard for me to explain it. Cause it's like, it's almost like the people who were a part of K-pop before it was big, almost were treating it like they would treat any hobby, like a niche. So we would never get too encapsulated in like the, we would care about numbers, of course, fans would, but it wasn't your main goal. But I feel like the fans who were fans of K-pop now, their whole existence has been about streaming because that's what they were doing before. Like they're not going to all of a sudden stop because they got into K-pop. Like it's in the industry's changed, technology's changed back in the day we had like unless you paid for melon and you had like a korean id there was no way you were gonna stream oh. on melon oh like, melon already oh yeah, yeah banned yeah. international ids you have to have a social security a south korean social security not a number. social yeah. security number <laughs> i think you, <laughs> right or a like south you got id here. number like you can't right. even get into it anymore but like speaking Damn. of what you were just saying nia about like i just feel okay wait before we get into this next point let we're not gonna we're not gonna just talk about k-pop y'all we're t- this yeah. is Korean music in general. For 
every when I knew I knew that something had shifted in the fandom when I started seeing tweets that were saying, you know, I didn't like rap music until I got into K hip hop. Y'all just say you're anti black and keep it moving. Just say you, you say hate you black hate black people. people. Just say you hate black makes people. me want to jump out of my window is that it's black people saying this. It's not just white people. When I see Af- my fellow African Americans, you know, Dr. Bumar <laughs> voice, when I see y'all hop on Twitter and be like, ah, this K pop group made me closer to my blackness. What? Oh, this What you really mean is this K pop group made you closer to this stereotype of blackness Ooh. that you have in your head, Ooh, not preach. actual blackness, because we are not a monolith. Preach y'all are fine. insane. All of y'all, y'all are crazy. Things. All these black, no, listen, black fans and the mental gymnastics they're doing these yes. days, like, oh I don't get what are, why are y'all, why are you, who is, who's paying you? Is there a company that's paying you? Are they paying your bills? <laughs> Because why are you acting like they're paying your rent? Why are you acting like, like you're, they're paying you? It's there is no way. There is no way a shadow, a shadow appropriative sliver of blackness will ever bring you up into your true blackness, babe. Queen, I'm going to need you to, to look at the sun. And I'm going to need you to go touch some grass. Because like even somebody did a video, this is a TikTok. She was like, don't you think it's funny how all black fans have the same... Um, k-pop biases and they're all men who put on black personas i was like Woo! damn bitch you ain't how, how listen, 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 listen listen not me but y'all be safe out there because not <laughs> y'all it's literally been this way for a decade taeyang who guess who had the biggest uh black fan base taeyang who is the one talking about i wanted to dress like this so i could feel closer to blackness and i was like where are y'all standing oh, why are y'all standing this was man? that was that um bang young gook who said that or was it hoya because oh, one no, of them bang young gook was reading something like that no some of them, one of them read a book about black people or a black like me or something, and everyone was like, oh, he's such a woke king. Oh, like, you don't realize, God. what are y'all talking about? Like, okay, listen, I this is like a part of like, this is attached to the mental health point earlier. I think what happens with K-pop is that it's really, it's it's Motown and like all the, the boy band stuff on crack. So it's like everything right. turned up to 50. So it's like anything that could have left you at a distance with One Direction, you get closer with a K-pop group. So it's like these fans are being lured into thinking that like these k-pop groups care about you like it's about your there and so it turns into like your mental health declines for some folks not saying you can't be a fan who's like well stable and well adjusted and still like k-pop but i'm saying it targets young folks who are like mentally on the fence and so it makes them gravitate towards it and attach themselves and their whole identity to it because it's easy to it's like candy it's like you're getting so much candy it's not good for you, but it's easily accessible. It's like right there in your basket next to you. So it's like you think that this group is like healthy for your well-being and your mental health, but really it's the cycle of the group feeding into your insecurities and your mental instability. And like instead of you working on yourself, you use a K-pop group as a distraction. Like it, like it's it's a lot of people who say that this boy, like they'll use like this is my, this K-pop boy is my mental health boy. He's like my, my, Comfort. what do you call it? yeah comfort or boy something. or whatever and i'm like do y'all realize what this is doing like you're the instead coping. of actually helping yourself yeah. you're coping with using a k-pop group and a boy who doesn't know you and he's and he's going to disappoint and the boy you've created an idea of based off uh, of and presented media that's edited based off right. of videos he's taken you know how many hours of the day he does not film himself do you know what he does <laughs> yeah. in those 23 hours where he's not filming himself you don't know and that's the problem 
and that and that's kind of what I was trying to tie in with we all are talking about how Marin said they're going to disappoint you we've seen that with second gen literally half of the men are just turned out to be trash and then people are like <laughs> oh I can't see I suddenly can't read I can't read it's like y- what like y'all know that these are things are going to change things will come out as they get older and they're less popular so like right now these men that you're investing all this time in you don't know what's going to come out about them in 10 years and then it's like you instead of like feeling disappointed and hurt 10 years later you could distance yourself you can still support them but you don't have to make them entire your entire existence exactly like every time a scandal happens and i see my face being like damn i feel like shit for liking this person i'm like no because they're a person and it's not your fault like there's a lot of people that go through like the self-blaming of guilt of liking problematic people not knowing that they're problematic it's like babe that has nothing to do with you that has nothing to do with you and even if you still are their music now as long as you recognize that that person is problematic and you're not going to bat for them and corrupting your own morals and your own mental health to defend trash and garbage then we're fine babe we're okay for context y'all this literally is what we had on our group chat i was like i'm listening to (laughs) dong ben shinky a lot these days i need to stop and is this bad is this okay and there and y'all were like nia just listen to what you want you know that you chun and you know partially are not good men you know that that's not going to change the fact but that guilt is real because you you for when you're when you're young you think well there's no way he could be bad there's no way but then it turns out oh yes he's very bad and then you think well i all those years were for nothing but instead of people getting into that dilemma you could just be mature and keep yourself enjoy their content but don't feel bad when they mess up because it's not your fault but also don't make excuses for them sungry stands and kim hyung <laughs> okay sungry i'm not not even gonna dip into that water but (laughs) going back to the black women and standing these idols who mimic blackness i'm kind of wondering now if it's because like as black women in society we are kind of taught that men do not find us desirable especially Mm. men who are not black so when we do encounter something that's unfamiliar we kind of gravitate towards things that are familiar so when we see an idol mimicking blackness we're like okay well let me stand him because he's more likely to like me that's 100 percent true Corey. because like the amount of women that i see on tiktok being like black men don't like us black men just don't like white women and there's the amount of black women that want to date black men and then they find men of other colors who were just putting on a black persona it's like this is a lot to unpack yeah this is yeah so you much feel like unpack. no one likes you and of course we're not saying that all black men don't like black women we know that's not true like right. we're all pretty reasonable pe- reasonable people here even though it may not sound like it at some point <laughs> but yeah like i don't know as black women we're just taught that we are not desirable so like that it makes sense why black fans usually attach to the same type of people but baby girl i need you to let them go Cause exactly. it's not cute. It's not cute Babe. at all. Please don't be flying to South Korea, fucking some random rapper and getting right. pregnant. Let's not. And do when that. he shows up, that he's gonna marry a foreign model who is skinny and white. You're gonna you have Oof. your heart broken. Like, come and on, the, let's, I, let's. I would say something really shitty, but I was, but I should I say it? I don't know if I should say it. I we say can cut that, it out. I can always. Edit. Well, okay, I'll, I'm gonna say it. But like <laughs> all these black women who attach themselves to black to guys who atta- who attach themselves to black images and stereotypes start behaving like some of the black men that you think are familiar yeah, no, and they start dating white girls he's, literally <laughs> literally like, he's so black that he's dating a white woman i i can't like that's, that's kind that's of that's how far the circle has turned it on itself <laughs> exactly like and the thing is it's it's a little 
it's weird a little bit because it's like, are you really in this because you want to support these, this, like a, an Asian, do you want to get K-pop really Asian or are you really just wanting it to be hip hop with Asian people on it? Because if y'all, y'all are supporting Trot, y'all aren't out here supporting like traditional Korean music or you, I doubt if there was a K-pop boy group that was actually just giving you Trot that y'all would actually spend your coin on it. I they tried it. that. People didn't go for it. Well, of it was also not. the middle of a pandemic. But like it's like it's people it's 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 and we talk about black people doing this, but the, the amount of anti-black people who are just like, I just who would be like, oh my god, the greatest rappers in the world reside in K-pop, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, y'all don't insane. listen to any black people. At all. <laughs> you are just and like thing, I. Can't... No, can continue. No, no, I'm done. I'm done. Go ahead. No, the thing that really kills me is like people who say this, the first thing that comes out of their mouth when people start dragging them, rightfully so, they will be like, oh, well, American rap is just too vulgar. It's just too violent. You So tell me you've never listened to rap without telling me you've never listened to rap. Because there are so <laughs> many different artists that don't make vulgar music who have content that you want to hear. Like if you want to hear some deep prophetic whatever that word is you want to hear something deep <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> then there are more than enough artists you can choose from but you decide to get on beyonce's internet and say that all rap what? is also bad and violent also getting like, that's on not beyonce- true yes be- getting on beyonce's internet and just being like it's so much cleaner bitch you don't even read hungle n- you don't you even, can't even understand korean oh my god you, you can't no. even understand korean what are you talking about it's so much cleaner he literally just it's said he not. wanted to lick her up from the t- top of her head to the bottom of her toes. Literally, Please explain me where the cleanliness is. Y'all. Please explain me. Even the K-pop, like, I will never forget the day Taeyong was just like, Whiplash was about me and my sister. And I was like, bitch, you are lying. Yeah, you're, <laughs> bitch, you're lying. <laughs> y'all, this is, and then that's, that's extra sad, too, when you realize, like, y'all are complaining that American rap, in your opinion, is not clean enough, but the American rappers who are very clean, you don't buy their music. Hmm? And the exactly. rap is a 40-year-old genre, and you telling me you can't listen to find one black artist that's not doing what you think rap is doing. See, you're just anti-black. You hate black people. <laughs> like, say it with your whole chest. Say it with exactly. your whole chest. And it's, it's, and then when we talk about this, cause like, even like talk about the musicality of K-pop, it's becoming more and more geared toward international fans. The importance of having a domestic fandom is dwindling with every year. And I don't think people realize that in order for K-pop fans to live a long, long ass time, they have to have a domestic fandom. Yeah. Like it doesn't yeah, matter how much. can't survive without that. Groups can't survive without that. And people will just be like, well, and if you're not as big as BTS, then it doesn't, it, babe, it, you can't do that. And so when I see people that be like, um, put so much importance on Western media and Western shows, and I'm like, when I saw that somebody was just like, the the, the last time BTS had been in Korea would be like three months, I was like, damn, they don't care about it. Like, I made a decision. Yeah. <laughs> I made is- a decision and it's unfortunate. But like, I, don't under- I also don't think people have understood that the general public has not been into k-pop since pd 101 the first one since Mm. 101 like they haven't been into like pd 101 came out and they took over all the charts they were on every tv show they had the public behind them even if it was kind of you know people say mnet fucked around with the votes whatever still the south korean public was into them and so now we're facing this like conundrum where we're like all of these second gen idol groups that are like suddenly 
topping the charts like i'm wondering is this like is this boredom from the pandemic is this part of the south korean nostalgia that is like very prominent in that culture or is this k-pop getting boring like uh i didn't know that second gen was topping the charts so now that you say that tori i feel like it may be i mean the pandemic probably is edging some of this on but i'm mm-hmm. shocked that like I, cause to, cause a, like there's a whole new generation of young kids. So I, the people who are probably listening to this are all people in their thirties, forties, twenties, late twenties. Like, so that means it's probably a nostalgia thing. Like they're wanting another golden era, but K-pop can't deliver. K-pop is not going to give you another golden era. Like it's not going to happen, but they, I think they want that. They want to feel that, I guess, again. Mm-hmm. Like it, like, but like also like the idea of like, do we want K-pop to stay big? Like, is that a two-sided coin? Well, like I, it's going to be a bust if it is. Like it's it's going to reach a plateau and it's just going to everybody else is just going to be like, well, there's no money left. What do we do? Like, right, right. Um, and then like the last question I have on here is like, has K-pop actually become mainstream in the U.S. or has social media created these echo chambers of fans who think similarly and believe it is mainstream when it isn't? Um, I don't think it's mainstream. I don't think it's mainstream. It'll never become mainstream because the West is entirely too big and too racist f- yeah. to allow um, foreign music groups to top charts. Yeah. And also this is just a random, like it's related, but like also the way we consume music, we're never going to have a mainstream massive artists like we used to in the past like michael jackson was massive everywhere in the world like there's not a country you couldn't go that did not know who michael jackson was we're not living in those times anymore like not everyone watches the same channels not everyone listens to the same music on spotify like there's thousands and millions of songs on every platform everyone's listening to something different so even if you have people who are mainstream they're not mainstream in the same way a michael jackson or a prince were like, does right. that make sense? So even right. if K-pop gets bigger, if you're never going to have a Michael Jackson, Prince, Whitney Houston situation where like everyone in the world knows who these people are and they're massive, their songs are reaching every corner of the earth. Yeah. And then like uh, specifically for the U.S., I personally like, <sighs> I don't think K-pop as a genre will ever become mainstream here. I think it will always be niche. Like, mm-hmm. I just genuinely do. There will be groups like BTS who will become mainstream, kind of, and extremely popular here. But the genre as a whole, I don't think it will ever be mainstream. Mm. Yes, I also agree with that. But I also think, want people to realize who, like, any K-pop group getting big, they're just going to be used as a tool for Western broadcast stations. They're never going to mm-hmm. be treated correctly. They're never going to be looked at as real artists. Um, they're going to be constantly treated as puppet puppet pieces. That's what I was going to ask y'all too. I like quick question because I don't really pay attention to how the media is covering K-pop. But do people cover it the way they cover like radio, Disney, Disney Channel, like Disney stars type stuff? Like, do they view it with respect? No, no, they do not view it with respect at all. In fact, a lot of the times, especially like maybe two or three years ago, when other K-pop groups. Who had not who weren't BTS would come here, media will refer to them as BTS. And then oh, wow. these days, even though they're starting to learn the differences between the groups and call them by their appropriate name, they still will put the group in randomly at the end of whatever show to attract viewers and to get clicks oh, wow. in the article or to 
Hey guys, this is Tori, and we were having technical difficulties during this episode, so I'll be closing out the show by myself. Thank you for listening and tuning into our first episode of Death of Hollywood. The second episode will be up next Saturday, um, where we talk about Hollywood and the Korean drama fandom and how our experiences um, and how it's changed over time. Um, again, we want to thank you for listening to this episode. We really appreciate it. Um, don't forget to come and check us out on Twitter at C-O-M-M-N-T-D or at TikTok at Commented Podcast. And go ahead and get your early bird tickets that are going to be available up until June 4th just for $5 for the KPSN Podcast Festival this summer. We hope to see you guys there. We'll be doing a special episode and a special interview. So it will be really, 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 really fun. But until next time, I'm Tori. Bye.